Welcome to Exploring Possibilities, a show where we interview a variety of holistic professionals and light workers who are really making a bigger difference in our world. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz, and it was my purpose in creating this show to introduce you to the incredible people that I'm meeting on my own journey. You'll hear their stories because their stories really are our stories. And we'll explore the vast realm of holistic healing and learn how we can co-create holistic sustainability. There's a lot of possibilities out there we don't often hear about, so this is a way we can learn and grow together on this path. Don't hesitate to reach out and connect with anybody you might hear who resonates for you, because we've got a lot of great guests. Special thanks to Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance. He does a lot of hard work behind the scenes producing these and publishing our podcasts, as well as on our Journey of Possibilities website. He really helps me use technology to make a bigger difference, so I appreciate it very much. On this episode of Exploring Possibilities, I'm excited to welcome with me from England, Jenny Griffin. Jenny Griffin is a catharsis coach. You can find out all about her on thepowerofchange.me online. She is a reader. She's very intuitive. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more of her story. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being with us. I've been digging around on your website and... I'm kind of curious about about what changed in your life. It looks like about eight years ago, because I can see that you, since then, you've been reading tarot cards and really honing your gifts. Tell me about your life back then. What happened? I call it my catharsis, which is then what led me into the work that I do now. But basically, you could call it a, a breakdown, but I, you know, I prefer the term catharsis because it, it indicates a kind of releasing and lightening process. So what you're doing is letting go of all the old stuff. So I went through this experience, basically, I guess it was the end of a relationship. It wasn't a particularly significant relationship or long relationship, but what it was is one that was an extreme version of a pattern that I had been in my whole life. And so every relationship I'd been in had this pattern of sort of non-committal people. It was in a moment when I realized that there must be something in me that was attracting this. And in that moment, it's like I opened something up and suddenly years of grief just flooded out. And I was grieving the loss of my father at a young age, um, all the dreams and hopes that I'd had that I'd put aside in favor of these other things. I, I was grieving. It actually felt like sort of lifetimes worth of grief. And this went on for months. There were there were days when I would just sob for four or five hours a day, and it felt like this really deep connectedness to everything around me. It was it was a strange feeling because it, in those moments, I knew that it wasn't a sort of mental breakdown. It was a releasing, a really important releasing. It's hard to describe, but. You know, it was processing through my body as well as my sort of energetic, all the other levels of my being. And and in the, in that time, during that time, I started to really, really connect. I would, I would start listening to the voice of my intuition more strongly. I was guided to go out for very long walks. And on those walks is when I started to hear the word catharsis so that it was sort of defined for me as the word catharsis. And since then, I've followed that thread of catharsis defining it by looking at the world around me and how this process happens um, through nature, through history, in people all around us every day. I don't know if that explains it very well. 
Yeah, it does. And was it a spiritual experience for you or more of a mental experience or just a heart opening or all of those? It was all of them because it, at first when I started going through it, I, I knew nothing about spirituality or about, about um, intuition. I mean, I had been to a couple of psychics. I was always drawn to sort of psychics um, in the sense that I knew there was something more than what I was just that mon- mundane reality of, of waking up every day and, and feeling like I knew I just kept feeling there's got to be more than this. But it was everything seemed to fall into place in my life so that I was in a safe place to fall apart. And as I fell apart, I really feel like I actually fell together more. But I released all the limitations that had held me in that place of not being able to see beyond. And suddenly new perspectives opened up. So it felt like I was seeing choices that hadn't existed before. They were always there, but I was unable to perceive them through my my very limited belief system. So I was releasing all these old beliefs, beliefs about myself that I was unlovable or unworthy or um, would never be good enough for this or that. And all of these things just started falling away. So it was a very healing, healing experience, but on sort of many different levels of my being. I'm totally getting where the catharsis word came from because some of the people listening to this may not know anything about you. I just wanted to share a little bit that you're quite educated. I see here a bachelor's in anthropology, a mm-hmm. master's of science in social and behavioral science from Amsterdam, another master of science in social anthropology from Edinburgh. You've done a lot of academic work and really built your mind up. That almost paints the picture of a successful woman that's doing well in her career and she kind of has life figured out. And it led me to wonder then what happened that was such an extreme change for you that led all of this to kind of start to come out of you. Well, I I just think, I think that it happens as it happens for everybody. You, you meet resistance. So it's like the truth is what's trying to escape. This is the way that I see it now. So it's like the truth of who I am incorporates this idea of myself as a multidimensional, connected, intuitive person. But what I was living was that I was, um, I had just got my first master's degree at this point, And I was working, I think, at the local library or something, trying to figure out what to do next. I thought that I wanted to do a PhD. And uh, that was sort of as high as I could uh, picture, as big as I could picture at that time. I think I just kind of met met the resistance. Like I had been trying to force myself into the structures and boxes that existed without. And instead, I needed to release what was the fullness from within and it literally was about me just being in a safe place and I think that this is the this is the one of the threads that ties all the stories together that I've gathered a bunch of stories from different people and and one of the key elements is that is that you find yourself in a safe place and that safe place looks different for everybody but I had just come I just returned to Canada from Amsterdam Um, I was quite, I was surrounded by people that I felt safe with at work. I was living with my sister and, and, you know, so it was, it was comfortable, safe. And I think no matter what, it was just time. So it's not so much the catalyst itself that's important. Um, but it's like you reach a point of your own 
I guess it's your your spiritual journey, even if you don't know you're on one. It was just the right moment for me, I think. You've expressed that so well. And I think oh, it's great over and over to get that said. Everyone that I talk to, that's a common thread in all of these interviews. We reach a point in our life where it's our magic moment for whatever reason. Yes, a safe place is important. But another common thread is I was looking everywhere out there. <laughs> and then I finally stopped and looked within and allowed it to emerge. And I did the same thing. I kept thinking it's the next degree. It's the next relationship. It's the next something. And when we finally go, maybe it's got to happen right here, everything starts to change, doesn't it? That's right, yeah. It's only since the catharsis that I went and did the degree in Edinburgh because, again, I thought that I had to fit this understanding, this thing, into the structures that I understood, which was academia. And then when I did that year of the master's, which I had hoped to turn into a PhD before I went, I thought, oh, my God, this is so limiting and so, and so <laughs> constrictive. So I left after a year, and, and that's when the, the topic exploded into sort of a seven-book series. So, so you can see how things open up when you, you release the ties to the structures. Yeah, and it happens in the heart. It doesn't happen in the mind. The mind is a great tool for it. But it's really about opening the heart. That's where real expansion comes from. I know when I was doing all that studying, I started to realize that I'm only scratching the surface of all the knowledge that could possibly be. And education can be this never-ending road that can become quite unfulfilling unless it's a complement to something else. It's a wonderful thing. I'm glad I have it. I'm very grateful for it. But it's certainly you don't find the answers to yourself in any textbooks out there. No, that's right. And and yeah, it's it's experiential. I mean, that's what that's what we I think we all come here as souls for is the experience. So so it's not about tying yourself to to what other people have experienced and trying to learn that way. It's about just diving in at the deep end and going through it all. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You alluded to your books. I'd love to hear about them. I know that you're doing what a seven book series, right? Can you tell me about that? Sure. As I said, it started out sort of as this idea for a PhD topic, catharsis and the art of falling apart. And so I, I tried to fit it into that sort of structure. And once I came out, it started to expand. And I thought, oh, well, okay, so it's not a thesis, it's a book. Oh, no, hang on. It's more than one book. It's more than one book. And then it, it sort of has made it clear that it's it's about seven books. It may be more. But I, I just recently finished the first one and have sent it to an agent. So I'm waiting to hear whether or not it's going to happen. But, you know, holding out hope. And as soon as I did that, the next one came in. So so the topic flooded in. So the first one was called Domestication of the Spirit. And it's about uh, the structures that exist in the third dimension and how we have, as a collective, sort of um, allowed ourselves to be tied to these structures, which then limit our capacity to really be as expansive as we are. And what I've done is woven together the sort of the channeled information that comes through me with interviews from people who have gone through cathartic experiences. So so it's real life experience and the message that I'm delivering. And then the second book, from what I understand, is called Exploring the Wild Feminine. And this involves me going on a walking pilgrimage across France and Italy, um, for thousands of miles. <laughs> wow. Starting soon. Yeah. So 
that's all I know so far. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. So you don't have yeah. any idea like where you'll be staying or what this is going to look like, just that you're going to take off and, and walk the country. And that'll be interesting to see if it involves meeting people and interviewing or more of what comes through you as you're moving across. Yeah. And it's fascinating because, because I, the wild feminine, the way that I understand the shift is that it's a rebalancing of energies. We've been under this distortion. The divine union of masculine and feminine is what we sort of aim for in a perfect world. So the distortions that have come into play on the masculine side is what has led to this sort of patriarchal understanding of power, power over, power from above, and it's become very distorted. So this rising feminine energy is what's supposed to rebalance, and it's difficult to harness sometimes within the structures that exist. So, so I'm interested to see how it how it plays out on this walk, the, what understandings I get of the feminine side. I'm curious, do you see a connection between the education that you have had and how that might tie to the work that you're doing now? In some ways, because I studied anthropology and I always loved looking at people. The, the, the part I didn't like was how we had to tie all our words to, you know, previous theorists that had gone before. I, I liked the part about in getting your hands dirty and really observing. So in a way, what I am is like a, a messenger, a, you know, in an anthropologist's body. It's like I'm a spiritual anthropologist or something, you know, but, but sort of, it, it's a really good tool in a way to study. Yeah, to study humanity. It's, it's a perfect tool, really. <laughs> I like that, a spiritual anthropologist. I, the, yeah. I'd use that if I were <laughs> Yeah, I should. <laughs> well, are you thinking that you'll still be doing some coaching? Are you still coaching at this time? Yeah, I do still coach. It's going to be more difficult when I'm on the road because I don't know how my internet access will be. I'm always open to working with people and and I love doing it because the way that I coach isn't, um, again, the the structures. I I really have difficulty with structures apparently. So it's a very unstructured sort of session. You know, we meet when we feel we need to meet and and it's a very free-flowing thing. I don't, I don't, necessarily plan ahead. I don't have certain tools that I work with. I just work intuitively. So whichever tools I need at the time I use. And I'm quite good at um, pinpointing what blocks other people have and and seeing how we can find a creative way around that. And you do that intuitively? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how. (laughs) So so I can't explain it. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of different coaches out there that use a lot of different modalities. So tell me a little bit about who an ideal client for you is. Who do you tend to attract into your type of coaching? It's people who are either in the midst of what they define for themselves as a catharsis or sort of on the verge. They know that they need to make big changes and they can feel it and they just don't quite know how. Either way, I'm quite good at helping to help them pinpoint what changes to make and how or whether it's just a shift in perspective or working through as they're, you know, even going through the cathartic process, which can be quite traumatic. Um, I'm really good at holding space for them to explore the depths and, and see things from a different perspective. That's wonderful. So is there any average number of times that you work with people or is it just one call at a time until they don't need you anymore or? Yeah, it's usually one call at a time, but I think the average is about three months, either two or three calls a month 
for about three months seems to work quite well. I can also do email stuff and I'm good at sort of reading between the words, reading what's behind the words. So so when I respond by email, um, I can go quite deep into the uh, into the underlying what's behind the words. Well, we talk to a lot of different professionals that target different types of clients, often relating to their own personal story, because those are the people that they can connect the most easily with. Would you say that there's certain experiences in your life that tend to bring you certain types of clients? Yeah, I mean, catharsis is a, is a kind of, it's a scary topic, because People don't want, you know, you hear some people say, oh, we, we want to avoid the negative emotions and move to the positive. And I think that there is no such thing as negative or positive. I think that emotions are, are just this amazing gift that, that show us things, no matter what we're experiencing. So for me, it's not so much about, so it's people who are willing to really explore because I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be sobbing for hours on end or, or really feeling that, you know, the grief and the depths. And, and, and so I think people who, who aren't, aren't afraid to do that and, and also who, who are not wanting to, to live there either. They know that it's part of a process of change. So those are the types that I tend to attract. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I like what you said about emotions. You're right. We're here to feel them all. Yeah. It's a buffet. It's a wealthy buffet of of feelings that we can have. But we really have gotten in the habit of, I like to feel happy. I don't like to feel... I, I had a rather agitated day today. I don't know if it's the energy. I don't know if it's... I'm also preparing to go to Peru and work with a shaman again. I don't know if it's stuff from that coming up. But I had an agitated day and I was getting agitated that I was agitated. <laughs> and yeah. we should really let that flow, right? Because tomorrow it'll be a different feeling that I get to feel. Or maybe in five minutes, who knows? Yeah. And, and it's also part of like this, you know, the idea of, of unity and oneness and duality and separation. If you're thinking about it from that, that perspective, then the idea of moving as quickly from what are considered negative emotions into positive is just another separation game. Instead, it could be like, I feel like crap right now and I'm going to love it. And then eventually I will be happy again. It doesn't matter when. It's not a matter of moving as quickly as possible because then what you're doing is kind of negating the experience of of the, the feelings of not, not so wonderful um, and making making the feeling of I need to be happy into something that is superior when actually they're both completely equal. There, there is no separation between the two. It's just that we have sort of normalized the experience of happiness as more desirable because it doesn't make people uncomfortable. It does feel better, I suppose. But, you know, if you can love it all, it helps. It does. And for some of us, that's right where our baggage begins is we were taught that it's not all lovable. You're lovable and you're cute and you're being a good girl when you're being this way. But those moods and emotions that we don't know how to handle, you're not such a cute little girl then and you're going to get in trouble and you're going to go sit in the corner or whatever. You're right. Our society has really programmed us that way and the deprogramming is taking a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So besides the books, what else have you got going on? Well, that's mainly it. I, the, with the walking this year, there's sort of a lot of planning around that. And, I, and I'm and i a house sitter, so I move around and live in different places. But 
one of the walks that I'm planning this year is with a group of women writers um, walking 100 miles or so along the coast of Newfoundland as well. So there are 40 of us going, and that's really exciting because it's a, it's a community, and it's no trip like this, I think, has ever been planned before, where we're, we're all um, a collective, and we're, we're planning the trip based on our own sort of what we want to experience, and then we, you know, pay for it, and then we all walk together and write together. It's, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> that does sound fun. Yeah. So you've know, you know these ladies well? No, I, I mean, I know them from an online group. Someone, Amy Gigi Alexander, was, was putting this, this idea together to walk the coast of Newfoundland. And then other people said, hey, that would be fun. I, I want to go too. So she kind of just started this group. And next thing you know, it's blossomed into this sort of, it's going to be a nonprofit. And it's going to be, there are going to be um, trips every year. And it's called Walking Writing Women. Um, so there are going to be groups every year. Uh, next year will be India. This year's Newfoundland. I don't know where the other trips are going to be, but it's yeah, it's open for people to. It will be open for people to start applying to go on these trips. But it's it's a wonderful experience so far. I'm intrigued. I think I'd like to come along. Where can we find out more? <laughs> it's it's called like I said. It's called Walking Writing Women. So there's a website which is Walking Writing Women. Um, or there's a Facebook group, uh, and I think it's called www for Walking Writing Women. You should be able to find it that way. And also you can look up Amy Gigi Alexander. She's a writer, a travel writer. And, yeah, she's got a great energy, and she's put this whole thing together. It's all women from, like, really diverse backgrounds. It's, it's a really cool group, and I'm really excited about that trip. Well, you mentioned earlier about the, the energy changing and about us moving from what we've done with the masculine era into what we hope to be creating with the feminine energy now. And along with that, it's so exciting to see groups like you all are putting together with the walking, writing women. And I just had a goddess gathering here and, and they they can't wait to have another one. And so it's neat to hear about these different events where we're just bringing the feminine energy together and kind of rebuilding what has not been the best sisterhood over the last several hundred years, I guess. Yeah. And it's scary um, because for so long the, the feminine has been sort of subjugated and oppressed. And, and, and so it, it can be a fright, you know, it's kind of a frightening time for people who are recognizing their intuitive gifts and things like, is it safe to step out in the light now? You know, because <laughs> for all these lifetimes and years, it's, it hasn't necessarily been safe. But the whole planet has been experiencing this surging energy which is which is partly what's causing these catharsis in people is this opening up to the understanding that that there is so much more and the receptivity and intuitive and creative connections that the feminine brings and it's not about bastardizing the masculine or or you know making it into some sort of uh, sort of demonizing is the word i meant to use i think yes um, because the, the masculine in and of itself especially in its divine form is perfect as is the feminine it's the, the the distortions in it that have caused the rifts and caused the the systems to be to be completely skewed in the balance. And it's even within the gender, you know, it's it's not just we're not just talking about men and women here. We're talking about the masculine and the feminine within each of us. And exactly. the gifts that you alluded to, the intuition and just these things, these gifts that we have that are 
refining in all of us that we're starting to become hyper aware of. The men have it too. And it's the feminine awakening more and strengthening more in all of us. And it's learning to trust that, that we haven't heard about it. We're not taught it in any college anywhere, but yes, it's, it's real and you can trust it. And it's a gift that we have to take care of ourselves and it comes from our feminine aspect. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the fact that we, we as part of the energy of all connected to the earth, which is also part of that energy as the feminine rises in the earth's energy, how can we not reflect that in ourselves? Because we are part of the same one. It's just that some of us at the moment are more sensitive. It's it's happening for everyone. It's just that we all feel it in different ways because of the different sensitivities, I guess. Yeah, I like that. Tell me a little bit more about your first book. We kind of blew through that pretty fast, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. What were some big things that came through for you in writing that first book that people might be surprised and delighted to read about? There's a lot of stuff in there about limitations and structures, which I didn't myself know was going to come through. But it really is about understanding that that the process of releasing is so key in accessing higher realms of not just consciousness, but, you know, one of the things I realized as I was writing is that even things that we consider in this realm or this dimension to be normal or unattainable or, or, or whatever, like consider Einstein, for instance, he was considered a genius, but he quite often referenced intuition. And my understanding of it is, is that what we consider genius in the third dimension is, is actually just simply the capacity to release your attachment to the limitations that stop you from accessing information that we could all access. And he had that capacity. So he was labeled the genius in this dimension, but we all have that capacity. So that was really fascinating when I realized that that was again, separate ourselves because it's like, wow, I could never be that intelligent. Yet we all are at the root. We just have to, we just have to remember the capacity to see beyond the limitations that the structures have placed on us. I'm thinking about a shaman that I have been working with for a few years now, and he's got several PhDs and he's just ridiculously well-educated and smart. And yet when you ask him, what are you thinking about? He said, I, I, nothing. Well, well, what do you mean? What's on your mind? Nothing. <laughs> and he reads like a book a day and there's nothing on his mind. And when you ask him about that, he finally explains, I'm referencing higher mind when I need knowledge because all the knowledge that we need is up there. We just have to open up and allow it to flow in. And we're busy down here trying to cram things into our little mind so that we can access them. And he painted a very different picture of a much bigger consciousness of, of information that is accessible and trying to learn how to do that or, or not learn. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, well, there are all these tools that people people try and give us um, or that have, you know, through the centuries been used, meditation and, and um and trance work and you know all this stuff but you know going for a walk I find even just brushing my teeth because it's it's a simple activity that your body does that you don't have to think about and in those moments where you're not actually thinking your mind is accessing higher consciousness like there you know where else does it go so it's those moments where where you allow yourself to just completely when your body is doing something that it, it knows how to do that doesn't need direction, I think that's kind of 
I think that's really important. And so that's why, you know, meditation has become a practice because you're focusing in on the body. You're focusing in on, on being present and letting go of thoughts, but you can release thoughts in many different ways. So, so whatever you do that makes you feel connected to something else, like when people say they talk about a runner's high, I think that's the same thing. Yes, I would agree with that. I've experienced that too. For me, it's the shower. I get all these major breakthroughs in the shower. It's like, well, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah, me too. And it's that connection to water. I mean, water is a very feminine, intuitive source as well. So yes. Mm -hmm. So when you say that you house sit, I've noticed that you've kind of lived all over the place. Do you literally travel around the world house sitting? Do you have any particular areas that you are focusing your energy on? I guess with the upcoming walk, you will be... Yeah, well, the last year and a half I've been in the UK because I felt like there was something here that really needed to be healed in in myself. And I have a lot of, you know, my ancestors from here, my family's from here. And suddenly, just before Christmas, I was out for a walk and it was like, oh, you're done here. Oh, okay, I'm done. And then, you know, and then I I got this um, insight into what the next book's going to be. So I put on my... I'm on a website that, you know, I have a profile on there and and the house, the homeowners can see me and I can see the homes that need sitting and we we meet that way. So I put that I'm now available for France and Italy as well. And then what happened was a woman contacted me um, from France and her house sit is smack dab in the middle of the route that I was going to start on. And she said, Oh, yes, the pilgrims walk right past my door. So I didn't plan that one. but it's Wow. For me. So it was a pretty cool um, confirmation that I'm on the right track. <laughs> that is too neat. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty good. Well, I get that in terms of when it's time, like I'm going back to Peru and it's been a very healing place for me. So I get those messages of, okay, Cheryl, it's time to work with this client or that client or go on, go to this place or that place. But you truly sound like a child of the world. Just, okay, my guidance says to hop the waters and go over here now. How did you develop that level of receptivity? I think it was after after I went through my catharsis and I realized what an incredibly freeing experience it was. Because I grew up in a household where um, that was quite, there was abuse there. And my patterning was so ingrained my belief systems were were so deeply ingrained that the way that I was living before my catharsis was a kind of just like a an existence it was it was just living like I mean not even you know just just existing habitual no yeah it was I mean I had experienced happiness but honestly believed that so strongly that that I had no value and that I was completely unlovable. So, so when I finally busted through that with the catharsis, there was just this freedom and it was like, this, this is the truth and I'm going to follow this. So that's when the sort of, I guess I had always had a voice of intuition, but I hadn't always trusted it. So I think it was sort of in those moments that I said, from now on, I'm just going to follow this. And I have, because when I was applying for PhDs, I was saying, oh, where am I going to go? And I just kept hearing Edinburgh, 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 Edinburgh. So it was like, okay, I'm applying to Edinburgh. And I got in and, you know, so I went. <laughs> you just go. 
that's just how it works, I guess. But but yeah, I I, re I realize now that I have been quite. Um, I, yeah, I decided I would trust that instead of the messages that I'd been getting before that had not been serving me, obviously. They'd been holding me back. Yeah, It's like that expression that you have to let go of what you're holding so tight in your hand and open your hand so that you can receive something better. And I think for so long we've all been locked into these routines and yeah. we don't, you know, unaware of how we could ever get out of them. And we wait for the answers to the how to show up before we're willing to let go and mm -hmm. if we don't let go, they can't show up. It's like we're, we've got it backwards. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's incredibly scary. The unknown is, is like the scariest for all of us because, because familiarity becomes like an old friend, you know, even though it may not feel good, it feels familiar. And, and I mean, that, that sort of is, is what becomes, oh, well, I'd rather, I'd rather be safe than, um, you know, take these risks into the unknown. But for me, I don't know. I'd, I would rather sort of try something than feel that, that sense of just kind of existing. I, I didn't like that. Well, for me, each time that I step out in that faith, yeah. and then I can look and see what my life's becoming as I'm doing that, it becomes more reaffirming. I think the worst is those first couple of leaps of faith where you feel like you're throwing yourself off a cliff, which is actually what my ebook is, how to, how to jump off a cliff and fly, <laughs> because it's the truth. It's like, oh my gosh, I've just given up everything that I knew that was familiar and quote unquote secure to go out here and take this huge chance. And then when you realize, oh, my gosh, and I am, I'm, I'm flying. I mean, there's times my wings aren't working as well as others, but I'm still yeah. flying. And look at what I can see from out here. And so you start to go, okay, I guess I'll risk it again and again. And you start to take bigger risks and a few more often risks. I see you as an inspiration because you really are just, okay, what's next? And here we go. And there will be a place to live and there will be an adventure for me. And if I say I'm going to write a book, it's going to come through. And I love that level of faith that you're living in. Oh, thank you. And, and it's funny because you see, I normalize it so much that it's like, oh, I thought everybody did this, but no, I guess maybe they don't. So I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's reaffirming for us. So thank you for doing that and, and being so public about it and sharing it. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. I'm going to celebrate that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're about to wrap up here. I always like to ask if, well, first, if you have any upcoming events where people could meet you or something like that. I don't, but I would love people to, one thing I love doing on my blog is answering questions. Like if people have a question about sort of, you know, a, a global problem or, or even just about, you know, the universe or whatever. I, I like, I like writing, um, sort of channeled messages about that or even pulling tarot cards on it and writing about that. So if people want to do that, they're welcome to. And also if you feel like, you know, joining me along my walk, I will be blogging about it and possibly making videos too. That <laughs> sounds cool. I'll be there. And again, your blog is at the power of change dot me or me That's so right. they can find that well do you have any parting thoughts today we've had a wonderful conversation i thank you again for that oh well, thank you no i think i think we've covered a lot no and i really appreciate um the opportunity to talk to you so thank you oh and i you thank you very much and thank you for helping me shift my mood i'm no longer agitated this was fun <laughs> oh, yeah, good 
Do you have a moving story about your own journey and natural healing path you'd like to share? Drop us a note, info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Until next time, this is Cheryl Sitz reminding you to use your passions and make a bigger difference. Let's co-create holistic sustainability for ourselves and for our planet. Namaste.